Well, good to see you this morning. Some of you sneak in after I'm already facing forward. And we're in Ephesians chapter 1. And I am going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And when somebody finds what page that's on in the Pew Bible, could you tell me so that I can tell every... 1156. It's in the bulletin. She's looking at her iPhone and telling me what page it's on, so it kind of stumped me. Okay, so just a little heads up about this. Up until now, in chapter 1, it's been one sentence written by Paul. For the rest of this chapter is another one sentence in the language that he wrote it in. So you kind of have to you know, look and say, what is Paul packing into this one breath that he's trying to communicate? And, and again, going back, um, this is what he's telling them, he's praying for them. So in some ways it's not really a prayer, except it is a prayer, because it's our our scripture, and Paul is reiterating, these are the things that I'm praying for you. And I can't take take a breath until I get it all out. And in reality, this particular space doesn't end until the end of the third chapter. That's how long the whole first half of the book Paul is praying these things for the people uh, of the new church, not just those at, at uh, Ephesus, but all throughout the region. So it's interesting to get a little perspective. So we're actually going to read this text. I'm forecasting to you now. We're reading this text um, this morning, and I'll talk to you about it. But because these are the things that he's praying for them, we're actually going to pray this for each other before the end of our time today, okay? Um, and so these are good things that, that Paul is praying for them, and it begins to detail the design of the church, okay? So these are the ingredients, the beginning ingredients of God's design for what we know as the church, to match these up, um, to say, well, how do we match up in all, in all the healthy sense of that? Not the indictment kind of sense, but in the healthy sense of how are we doing uh, with being the church. So let me read uh, beginning with verse 15 through the end of the chapter. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. 
That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I don't know how little different that was from exactly what you were looking at. But I'm going to ask you now to tell me what it is that Paul was praying for them. First, he begins by saying that I, because of your great faith and your love for one another, your love, it's as if that Paul, actually Paul knows this church, even though we think he didn't really write it just to if, to Ephesus, but he knows what it takes to live a life after Christ. And so he knows these churches are people of faith and are loving. That's a hallmark of these people is that they love other people. So it's kind of a double love. It's a loyalty to Christ as well as a love, a love of Christ and a love of, of others. And he's saying, because of this, I pray these things. Now you tell me, what, what, has he pray, what does he pray for them? Wisdom? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? That they would grow? Mm-hmm. What else? You can actually just land your eyes on some of those words and say them. Enlightenment. To know the hope to which he's called them. Actually, these, these strains actually support that faith and love that uh, he already has recognized in them. What else? Riches. Riches. Okay. What are they rich in? Glorious and a glorious inheritance, right? That kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the hope that he was taught that uh, Ellen suggested. The message says endless energy and boundless strength. Okay, endless energy and boundless strength. As a manifestation of that hope. Yeah. It's great to use different versions because it enlightens us. It goes, oh yeah, it means that too. Anything else? Right. The power that was used to raise Christ from the dead. It has great authority. Uh-huh. He does. This is a unique thing that, that this is a, a prayer and a, 
a benediction, a, a thanksgiving, and uh, a prayer. Good. Anything else? Yep, it is a thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's there's a couple elements that that I want to point out to you. There's the the element of the action of gaining and growing that are uh, part of uh, Paul's intention for this part of the text. Because realize it goes on for two more chapters, so he's not done. But again, he's foreshadowing and he's beginning to lay down the details of what this, uh, of what the church looks like. And in that gaining and growing, he kind of floods them and inspires them uh, with the spiritual wisdom that was uh, referred to, that they would understand and be filled. So think of that as a, in the growing process, that it is God that inspires us with his spirit and brings us to understanding and fills us with all the things that are needed um, in our life. And then by that, we receive so much that God gives. And we detailed some of that. But the spiritual wisdom and revelation or understanding of what God's doing, that we deepen and deepen our understanding of who God is. We've talked about that from the very beginning in, in uh, Genesis and Exodus, and we saw that God gave them more. He revealed more of himself um, as they discovered who he was and began to live in it. He kind of continued to open what they could know of him. And he's continuing to do that in his son Christ and in the church because the church is Christ's instrument on earth. We are the body of Christ. So when you think about uh, spiritual wisdom, the deep things of God, let's just think about that for a moment and the understanding or the revelation that goes with that, that he desires us to be a thinking people. Just like I asked you to think, what did that just say that we just read? That then you will recount one to another um, as we conclude today. A thinking people, a teaching people, and a teaching ministry. Now this is, a, this is the one that, that I, I really love and you kind of love this for your kids, and so therefore you don't love it as much for yourself when you do it to yourself. But it's kind of a, a readjustment of our sense of proportion, i.e., what is really going on? Where, we, where are we right now? And, you know, if I needed to, somebody could actually take my chin and say, see, that's what your room looks like. Because it's pretty easy to say, my room's good when you're a kid. I'm good, Mom. I know you're good, but how about 
how about the rest of the family? We're not good. So clean it up. But we need adjustments from time to time about how we see and what we see. And it's the spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation that Paul is talking about. And he's inviting them into that to go deeper into who Christ is. So that our, the growth and the gain that we receive is not for naught. But it's for the health of the church. So that we, our faith would grow and so that the love that we have for others would grow. And that would be marked in our communities by like that. So one of the things that I've been asking, and now I'm going I'm to come back, and I'm going to set that down, and I'm going to ask you this question, because I have been asking for us to visit Dell and his ministry for a couple months now. And I've said January, February, March, we're going we're to pick that time, and some of us are going to go walk with him. And the reason I've been asking you to do that is because that's a value and that's a, um, a position readjustment to go with him. All, it, what it does is you go into a context that does not look like where you live and it's almost like somebody taking your chin and saying, look right there. And I'm not saying that, um, that you ought to be that God ought to call you into the ministry that Dell does. All I'm saying is, every once in a while, we take readjustment time in order to get a full grasp of the spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation that God has for us. Okay, so I'm, this is not about Dell. This is about us as a body. So I'm going to ask... Um, Dell goes off at 5 o'clock in the morning, goes to five shelters and picks people up and brings them to a church in San Jose. And he has people uh, cooking breakfast. And he cooks breakfast for 80 to 90 um, men and women. And um, then he does uh, church with them. And then he loads them all back up again, makes multiple trips back to the shelters or wherever they're going, because shelters are mostly closed during the day. And, um, and is done mid to late morning, okay? And so there is a portion of that that I'm wondering if some of you would say, yes, I'll go to that once, okay? I have a scope of what I think is possible from Foothill, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, after two months, two months of forecasting, who would be willing to go to some portion of that Sunday morning with Dell. I've asked long enough. I, kind of, I see a few hands. Okay, Basically, I want to know who to go back to and say, instead of standing up here saying, we all need to do this. I don't think we all need to do this. I think we all need you know, to look again, you know, to have our chin turned and say, look, Okay, I saw a few hands, but I didn't, I didn't get a whole grip on this side. Go ahead, how many? Go ahead, raise everybody. See, when you raise your hands, it encourages them. Okay, all right, good. So that's my hope, that we would recount to one another what God might be doing in our lives. 
And this is a step of evaluation, okay? And this is Paul's prayer for them for gain and for growth. Now, the gain and the growth is not just for those that raised their hand and said they'd participate. Um, It's for all of us, that we all would hear the testimony of what God's doing uh, in that place and as part of um, our readjustment. I'm adding uh, some more to that because it's actually meditation. Um, If we would meditate on God's word, if we would take the time to hear from God um, as we open the scripture and ask ourselves again and again, what are you saying to me, God? What are you saying to us? That deepens uh, the things of God as well. Um, And then what are the applications for that? In my life, what is that that they are that their faith is so deep and their love is so deep that it's recognizable? How am I? How do I fit with that? And what steps do I need to take to look like those people that Paul is praying for? This is good stuff. I love. I like this stuff. You know, God is saying this is the heart. This is the meat of who the church is. Um, let me just uh, jump to that uh, realization of Christian hope kind of the painting the picture of what the future is like you know in in these next days because we're going to be in Ephesians he begins to to paint the picture picture is one of the P words remember we talked about the outcome of looking at Ephesians is there's a purpose in God's plan and there's a picture that at least a portion of people relate to the picture and he's beginning to paint that. And there's a plan that God has and there's a part for each to play. And that comes out in the book of Ephesians and where your lives crisscross um, with each other's is, because, is where the part and the plan and the picture plays out. So that realization of that God has a future and that he is in that future and painting that picture for us uh, is a place that we live. It's something that Paul is praying for his people that they would not only see the picture, like I'm the one looking at the picture on the back wall, I would not only see the picture, but I would walk in that picture. The picture that God is painting for who the church is as an instrument of Christ's reconciliation in the world. Again, that's the awe point that God picked us. And it gets diluted because there's dysfunction in the us, whether it's our families or uh, us as a church. And God still chooses. And also then the, uh, the breadth of Christ, as, as he details this down and he begins to talk um, uh, in here about the different realms in which the Spirit of God works, um, we wrestle, we, those that are looking further into the text, 
and saying, what are all these, um, uh, what are all these realms that he's talking about, these layers of, of spirituality where the spirit of God is? What are all these things? Um, and we have to, to realize that, that from where Paul spoke at the time, he didn't know everything that, that we know just in going to school. He didn't know what, what modern biology and what modern physics would unfold in time. He didn't know what sociology he would, uh, and psychology and anthropology would unfold. Just like we don't know yet what will continue to unfold that, that we discover uh, in our study. These are some of the realms that God is talking about. He also is probably talking about realms of uh, spiritual beings, whether they're angels that are for God or against him. He's also talking about that which is not yet seen or understood, and God is actually working in the midst of those things. I have no idea what Paul might have thought of when when he thinks about how we communicate what the media looks like today and what the internet looks like and how we carry it in our pocket. I have no idea. But he's actually talking about those things, discovered and undiscovered, as well as the spiritual realm um, of what God's doing. And he's continuing to unfold that as we move along um, in this book. But, he's, but he talks uh, in there about this exceedingly great power as part of the gain of those who believe. And, the, and what the hand in hand that goes with that shows up in the next chapter when he's talking about the infinitely rich grace. These words become intertwined um, as he continues to go on uh, to paint the picture of who the church is. But it continues to come back in the whole of his picture that his intention is um, to take the discordant elements, the, the elements of this world in which there is no harmony. They're butting heads, whether it's in nature or whether it's in people. Because the whole intent of Christ's death is to bring those to one. And he's talking about man to man and woman to woman. He's talking about man to woman and woman to man. He's talking about man to nature, that it would all be brought together under Christ. And that is his design, that Christ would be the instrument of God in reconciling all things to himself. And that the church, you and I, would be the instruments of Christ 
to reconcile things to Christ. We were chosen in a really active way. And the act of forgiving, the act of, of giving grace and mercy and speaking justice, this kind of uh, choosing today, God chooses you. Sometimes you have to figure out when you fall off your horse, you have to take the sand out of your mouth before you can tell your friends that you've lost your horse. And sometimes you have to take uh, the light that's shown in your eyes and the result of not yet seeing in order to find a place and to find another that can help return your sight. It is the same joy that Paul has in recounting his prayers for the people um, of Ephesus and the people of Asia Minor. It's that same joy that God has to say these same things to you today. He has a wondrous spiritual revelation for you in Christ. One that's already been revealed and is being revealed to the people uh, at Foothill. The opportunity to extend love to others continues to be present, even as grace comes to the campus uh, at the end of this week. They come at the end of this week and move in on Saturday mostly, but they come uh, to worship, and we, we will enjoy worship together on February 6th. This there's first Sunday here. So we will all be in this room um, taking uh, the time to celebrate together what God is doing in their lives as well as in our lives. And we have the opportunity to bless them uh, as they come to the campus. Um, so that is a great opportunity to extend our love uh, to other people and to believe that God uh, is doing something. God is not done with the things that he, the plans that he's laying out before us. And some of those things, some more of those things will be, uh, uh, we'll begin talking about uh, as we gather for um, our semi-annual meeting uh, the second week of February and the things that God wants to do and is doing. So these are being displayed in the book of Ephesians for you, for me, um, now. Father in heaven, I pray for your word to continue to be unfolded before us, that we would recognize who you are and what you're up to. 
to be in a place where we can look with anticipation, holding on to the hope and the future that you have laid before us, knowing that you not only know us in the, in the grand sense of the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, but the specific of I know Foothill and I know these people and I know the characteristics of them and are being prayed for in the same way because this is the design of the church and this is the design and the mystery that God has revealed that he has chosen us for his purposes for his mission in the world. Thanks, Lord, that you would include us in this thing, in this huge thing that you are doing in loving the world. In Christ's name, amen.